Hi, I'm Jill Wright, founder and CEO of Executive Shine. And on behalf of myself and my phenomenal guests, we want to welcome you to Executive Shine Soul to Soul Conversations. I am so honored to bring you some of the world's most fascinating and dynamic leaders who often only have one thing in common, uncommonly outrageous positive impacts on people and businesses. They are leaving this world a much better place. So kick back and join us. Grab a few insights you can immediately apply to leverage your leadership and foster greater authentic connection in a world that's become increasingly disconnected. We so desperately need you to shine your light bright. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to the show. I'm really honored this afternoon to have one of my favorite guests with me, Miss Sharon Lynn Wyeth. And she is one of the most influential people in helping people to connect helping people to understand each other. She has been given some very special gifts and has invented a a science which was downloaded to her, namology science. And she helps the companies, CEOs, individuals understand the people themselves and the people around them just by the information in their name. So I'm so honored to have you today. We always have such rich conversations. So I am excited to talk about how we can connect better, how we can make a real impact in the world. So welcome, Sharon. Thank you, Jill. Always wonderful to be with you. You know, I think the number one thing that I think is really missing. We're all so busy trying to quote unquote survive or do what we've come to do that we're not slowing down enough to really listen to the people around us. I mean, we can hear what they're saying, but are we listening? I don't think they're the same things. And to really look at what a person is saying and how important that is to them so that you can repeat it back. If all of a sudden you had somebody stop talking and they go, oh, I lost train of my thought. Are you able to repeat back to them what they were just saying so that they can recapture that train of thought? Some people can, but a lot of people cannot because we're we're hearing it, but we're not listening. And if we really repeated back and really listened instead of thinking of what we wanted to say next, you know, because that's what we do. Um, I think the world would be a better place just for that because we would be connecting then because people would understand we care because we're actually listening. Wow. That is absolutely brilliant, profound wisdom. How many people really don't listen? And not only do they, they not listen to others around them, they don't listen to themselves. Exactly. And so I think in that quiet, they're not tuning in to their internal guidance, their innate wisdom. 
You know, they came here with special information that is unique to them. But they're, you're right. They're too busy. They're not listening, not paying attention. What, what kind of things can, are, what kind of things can you tell them that really make a difference to help them with that kind of thing? Well, I think just listening and asking questions because we create our own problems. I mean, I hate to say it. I would much rather be able to blame all my problems on somebody else, but we literally create our own problems so that we get the experience of how to solve them, you know, so that we get the experience of, of literally solving the problem for ourselves. So I think because of that, instead of jumping in there and wanting to solve a problem, even if you have a great solution, doesn't matter, but is really to ask the questions that that person requires and able to help get their thinking so that they can solve their own problem. Absolutely. To be able to, to think, how can I, how can I ask a question that's going to lead this person to the answer that I feel that they already have in them? Right. And it's to their solution, not our solution. Right. Right. You know, and get them thinking, because think about it. When you come up with your own solution, whether it works or it doesn't work, you still feel good about it because you did it for yourself. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's not like you have resentment because somebody else told you what to do. And then if it worked, you're resentful. You didn't come up with it yourself. And if it doesn't work, you're going to blame them. You not take responsibility for it. So I think it's much easier on all relationships and it shows that we care and we trust that person we believe they can do it for themselves which helps motivate them also to believe in themselves that they can do it you know and that way we're encouraging them to listen as you said jill to what's going on inside and saying what would be most appropriate for you right now you know i many years ago a, a shaman friend of mine told me jill relationships are for learning and you think that you are here to uplift people and to help the people like that work for you and to to be their mentor and he said but children come to teach employees come to teach I have had so many situations where people have pushed me to look at things in a new way that has ended up making me a better manager to be able to do them. So listening, they can also reflect back to you things that, that you need to learn about them yourself. So it's not just listening to them, just, you know, people don't understand, like, why should I listen? Well, because there's so much to be discovered within a connection with another person. You know, Jill, that when different studies were done, what they realized was that if you're not learning from the person that you're with, that after a while through attrition, that person goes out of your life and other people you let in because we really do want to learn. And so it's a wonderful way through questions to help somebody see what's there for themselves. But at the same time, you're getting ideas from their answers. Yeah. You know, it's a two-way street. It totally is. You know, when you talk to people about listening, they, 
they they don't understand there is such value. It's like a treasure hunt. I I teach my people at the airport every time a new person comes and sits in your chair, there's a gift. And the game or the treasure hunt, if you will, is for you throughout that conversation and in within that connection to discover the gift. And it's fun. Well, it is fun. And the best part of it, Jill, is when you're asking questions, you're not only showing that you care and that you're listening, you're also saying, I'm not judging you. Because how many of us feel like we're being judged and people are insulting us or putting us down or we're not good enough or, you know, one of those things. And when we're asking questions, we're literally saying, we're not judging what you're doing. You know, go ahead and do it and, and learn from it, whatever it is, because we constantly keep learning if we keep, you know, going back and looking at what we've done in the past and what we might want to change for the future. But it's another way of saying that you are being accepted for who you are. We're not judging you because we're just asking questions. Wow. That's another really powerful nugget. You always give such great information. And it it makes me think how important using the skill of asking good questions and listening what that really does is creating safe space so they yes. feel free so when you ask a question if you don't if you're not doing it in a way that you are accepting of you know whatever it is they have to say and creating that safe space for them to be able to talk and express themselves because sometimes sometimes it takes a minute you know, sometimes your most brilliant thought doesn't come out right away. Sometimes people, people think like as they speak. So when you can create that kind of energy around you where you're just unconditionally accepting of whatever it is that they're going to say and that you might really contemplate that and give it some really, you know, deep consideration and respect the fact that they're sharing something that's yes. really important to them. Yeah. Because that also indicates that they trust you. Exactly. And it builds a bond. Exactly. You know, wow. plus, I always look at it like as a kid, I never knew what to say to anybody. You know, it's like, how do you start a conversation? What are you going to say? You know? And so when you're really listening to somebody, it also says that the next time you see them, you can say, Hey, how's it going with, whatever it was, because you were really listening last time. And then they can give you an update. I had a, a client just write me and our last conversation was literally in 2012. And he was asking information about a custody battle and whatever. And so this time when he wrote me, I said, you know, you never got back to me on what happened with that custody battle. Did the, the strategy that we had laid out you know, was it successful? And he goes, oh yeah, and my kid's in college now and da, 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 you know, but I thought, you know, you didn't get back to me. And he was like, oh my God, you remember? And I thought, yes, I heard you. <laughs> right. but, you know, there was a promise that you were going to get back to me. Right. Which and is it's always in somebody's good timing, you know, because you never know if they're still going through something, if how busy they are, whatever. So I don't like to poke. 
Yeah, no, you're exactly right. I vividly remember when I worked in Washington, D.C., and I would do former Secretary of State Jim Baker's shoes, and he would ask me questions about my mother's dog. Yes. So 30 years later, I still remember that. Yes. Because he took the time to care. Yes, I can to recall that you your mother had a dog and that that was important to you. Absolutely. And when you really listen deeply to someone and you create that space, you give them the opportunity to be seen in a way that they have never possibly ever been seen, truly seen before. And I think that's a big thing now with throughout the pandemic. I I think one of the good benefits is that people have softened a little bit and have put aside the mask because now we're all seeing inside their homes. We know what it looks like. We know them more intimately because it's not just in a corporate work environment. And so we've started to create relationships that are a little bit more authentic and not just, I call it mask to mask. It's more soul to soul. See, that's interesting. I always think you got to get to work early because around the cooler is where you get to know everybody (laughs) around the water cooler, you know, before they all go to work. It's true. But it's different too, because you've always had a job that interacts with people. And I, I think about the people that their whole job is with things or on the telephone or on the computer, and they're not interacting with people. When you interact with people, I think a lot of that develops naturally. But when you're re- interacting with things during the day, I wonder how hungry you are for human interaction at the end of the day you know, or did you just get used to it so quiet that that's your preference? You know, I I just always like to know, I know that um, in my family, the, the, my son works with things or computers all day long, but then he goes square dancing or not square dancing, ballroom dancing. I do the square dancing. (laughs) Um, He does the ballroom dancing at night and he gets out there and he gets to be with people all night long because by the time he's done, he's hungry for that human interaction and how important it is. And then how wonderful when he gets to meet with a bunch of people that he knows them all intimately. And we, we know Jill that intimate means into me see or intimacy, right? To see clearly, but how many of us risk sharing what's really in our hearts and what's really in our thoughts? Because the majority of the time we feel like people that don't care, they're not really gonna hear us and it isn't important to them. Yeah. So we don't care. It's funny. We create, it's, it's funny. We create stories in our head about what we think people are going to think when we share parts of who we are. And so if someone is creating that safe space, asking those questions, that really takes us off guard sometimes. And, and, puts us at ease and lets us show parts of ourselves that, that maybe we weren't, maybe we weren't planning to show people. Well, 
people whose first name has a first vowel of an E, it doesn't have to be the first letter. It's just the first vowel when you're reading from left to right. Those are people that are naturally good listeners. And so people come and dump on them, okay? Because they know they, they can express themselves. Somebody's going to hear them and then they're going to ask appropriate questions or you know give some suggestions or whatnot. So I think all of us that don't have the first vowel of an E in our names, like you're an I and I'm an A, it, we must take extra effort to make sure that we're doing that. And I always like to observe people. So when you're observing an E at work naturally and you watch how they listen, it's just fascinating. So I would invite everybody who's listening to the show, find the people in your, you know, in your network that have a first vowel of an E and really be observant and watch how do they do that? How do they create that space that people feel safe and they come and dump on them? I call it dumping, but they really, it can express themselves well because they know that person cares and they're listening. And then we can emulate all the E people in our world. <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. I'm, I'm just thinking, who do I know that's an E? And how fascinating to observe. And when I think about that, like I'm thinking about Jeannie. And how it's so true. People, she is a great listener. And how many people come to her and share all of this information? Yeah, see, and you say it so much nicer. I say they dump, you know. (laughs) But it's true. You know, and maybe that's because of all my years in the classroom and and that so many kids would eat lunch in my room and and everything. And so, um, but I think it's really important that we find the people in our lives that will listen, that will take the time, and also that will give us a hug. And whether it's a virtual hug or a physical hug, it, it hugs come through smiles, hugs come through accepting eyes. Uh, there's different ways of hugging, and especially with so many people wearing masks these days, you're not seeing the smiles. So it's got to come through the eyes, you know, or the elbow touches like, okay, I'm hugging, I still need that touch. You know, and I think touch is becoming more and more important because we've been segregated, we've been separated. Um, And I think it's even more important to follow up with people and follow through simply because we're not getting the physical interactions as much. You know, our world is opening up some, but I always think we never know for how long. Right. I mean, craziness is going on right now. Right. And it's so important that. I was honored to be a part of that book codes of longevity and with 27 other doctors and, and what my really focused on was the piece about the value of human connection and touch is part of that. Well, you know, they've done those experiments where they had newborn babies and the health of the ones that were touched a lot was much, much better. And they grew faster and whatever than the health of those that sometimes would even die because they didn't get enough touch after they were born, you know? And so touch is so critical. And I think that's something that's missing today. So it's like, how do we reach out and touch somebody? Um, You are very good, Jill, at sending little notes or cards or little sayings and you get this surprise in the mail. And, you know, we, how many of us get like, nice things in the mail other than bills you know I mean that's a a lost art almost and it's just it's lovely when you do that but that is a way of touching people and so I think we are invited at this time to be a lot more creative like how can we touch yeah it's it's just like I just got through doing a declutter job in California and 
literally on that my last night there decluttering. I know it's tough sometimes for people to say, okay, I'll part with that. You know, I don't make any decisions. They do. But to realize here's the criteria. Does this one fit the criteria or not? Are we keeping it or parting it? You know, and literally I gave a thank you note and words and encouragement. And as I was driving out of the subdivision, there was a mailbox and I put it in the mailbox, you know, on the way out. And I thought, I thought we need to touch. We need the thank you notes. We need, you know, it's, and maybe need isn't the right word. It's appreciated. It, it causes us to continue a connection with someone. It lets us know that the person cared enough to take the extra mile or the extra step. I, I know that one of my habits is to send birthday cards. I love birthdays. I love remembering people on their birthdays. And it's, it's so many times the person will say, oh my God, you were the only card I got because everybody else is emailing. Yeah. You know? And then I do my best to also call. It doesn't always work because my schedules get really crowded, but it's, it's like taking that extra time, that extra moment to still say you're important. You're, we're caring. We're here for you. Yeah. Type of thing. And I, I really do going back to the very beginning of our conversation, it comes with listening, you know, and at your shoe shine business, that's what everybody is. They're shining shoes. They ask a few questions and people talk there and then they know from listening what to ask next. It's just a natural. And so your guys that work with you led by you are fabulous listeners. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing to me having listened to people literally for 34 years, how powerful that is because in the hustle and bustle of the busy flying through the airport and all of that whole life, all of life is just crazy busy like that. How, what a significant impact you can make on somebody's life just by asking questions, letting them creating that space. I say, letting them take the mask off and put it in the chair next to them and just be a human. Like, let's just talk. Well, what I find also interesting is when you find somebody that's a very good listener and you naturally share something, I always look back and go, out of anything I could have shared, anything that was important to me, why did I choose that? Why was that what came out of my mouth? And what does that say about me and what I'm going through right now or what's taking my attention and energy? It's like, why did I want to share that piece? Why was that important? And I think even reflecting back on, wow, we finally some found somebody who would listen and look what we told them. You know, what does that say about us with what's going on in our own lives that maybe needs more attention if that's the thing we want to get off our chest? Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a fascinating question. I've, I've thought of that myself, like why, when I have this opportunity to talk to someone and they ask me this question, why did I say that? What is that? Does that have anything to do with our unique, our, our unique things in our name? How does that work? Well, it, it also, well, everything shows up in a name. I mean, if you know how to read the name, but it literally comes down to if we watch what we want to share or what slips out, in other words, that that's really what we wanted to share, what slips out. 
and to go, why is that important to us? What's going on now? That that is what I wanted to share. And was it positive or was it negative? Was I complaining about something, you know, or was it positive? Was I sharing some great story that happened? And I think that's also important to look at, especially in these really testing times. I want to call them that because we're all being tested. Can we stay positive? Are we going to slip into bad habits? Are we going to be negative? Are we going to find things to gripe about with what's happening? Instead of saying, how can we make a difference? How can we make this better? You know, um, the number of phone calls that I get on a daily basis that I feel are just give me a, a spot of positivity. Look what's happening. Can you turn it around and look at it in a positive way? You know, and, and I think people are, are hungry for something that's positive. And I think that's why we, we get a joke in the mail. I love those in the emails. I, they're short. I don't like the long ones. I don't have time for them. But the, the short little jokes, it's a sense of humor. And it says, I'm thinking of you. So I sent a joke, you know, and it gave you a little smile. And, and then you go forward. And for anybody who's listening that really needs positive pick-me-ups, Andrew Andrews is an hysterical comedian. And Google him or search for him or, you know, whatever your search engine is. Um, look up Andrew Andrews. I didn't mean to turn this into an ad for him, but he is hysterical. He takes common everyday things and lets you just look at them from a different perspective. And you start laughing because it's like, oh my God, this was so silly or dumb. Or, and they build one on another, another. So by the time you're done with any of his albums or his stories, I laugh alone in the car. You can't help it. You're laughing out loud. So I always think if anybody, I think that's what Jerry Lewis used to do for the generations before us. And Andy or Andrew uh, Andrews is the one for us, this generation. So that's a positive uh, piece. If you ever are down and need a, a hookup, have you ever heard him? Jerry? I have not, but I, I'm going to even write that in the show notes because people are going to want to know that. Yeah, he is hysterical and he does little blips. He has wonderful albums out, you know, that I will literally play in the car when I'm doing long distance because I want to listen to the whole thing as they just build story after story. And, and you end up just laughing out loud, you know, halfway driving across the country. But the he does little cliff notes on his website, which is just his name, you know, little stories like almost daily. And once you get his sense of humor, at first you're going, what? But once you've heard a bunch of them all in a row, you can't help but put a smile on your face and say, thank you, Andrew. That was so kind of you today. And then you go off and you have this much more positive attitude for the day. So anything I think right now that can help us stay positive is so important because we hear the negative in our news, in our TVs, in our, you know, in, in conversations that you're accidentally hearing as you're walking through a restaurant or whatever. It's so depressing at different times. And I think we don't want to drag each other down there. Instead, we want to help uplift each other. And could you imagine a world where everybody believed in another person when it was hard for them to believe in themselves and that we all wanted to uplift each other, just as you do in your job. And I think, just think if the whole world was doing that, what an incredible place we'd be living in. Absolutely. I feel like life is such, and business, if you think about it in this way, is such an opportunity to 
bring light to someone, to reflect to someone, to, to, to uplift them and to, to help them to see something about themselves, to maybe help them shift perspective. I love what you just said about, you know, his perspective on everyday things. And we're tomorrow morning, we have a bit, uh, we are doing a shine experience And I'm also thinking about calling it like the honor experience. But the way I open that up is I I show a really dirty boot to everyone in the room. And I'm saying, what do you see when you look at this? And they say, a dirty boot. Right. And I say, that's not what I see. So in my bag, I have the other boot that I've already shined and it's brilliant and it looks like patent leather. And I say, this is what I see. When I look at you, I see the brilliance. So I see past the dirt. So in this experience, we're going to have, we're going to honor each other and we're going to take the dirt off. And we're going to discover the brilliance as we shine each other's shoes in this shine experience of what's inside of each of us. And it's just a shift in perspective, just like you said. What, and what you're doing with boots and shining those is what in previous times, 2000 years ago, is people washed each other's feet. It was the same thing, the honoring of here, we're making it clean. We're getting rid of the dirt. We're spending time, you know? And I, I look today and I think how many of us would go up to somebody and, and be willing to just wash their feet, you know? And the closest thing to it is shine their shoes and shine their boots. You know, I love watching you guys work at the airport. It's really you know? fun. It is. It is really fun. You know, you walk through and you go, oh, I have a few minutes, you know, I can stop and just watch them. And they are having so much fun shaking that, you know, doing that cloth over the shoes and, and, and putting more polish on. And, and I just think they're happy. Your people are happy. Yeah, it's so fun. And, and they, they have, there's a special connection that happens. It's like a special energetic connection that happens when you are working at someone's feet and people say to me, Oh, you don't do that. Do you? And I'm like, of course I do. If you knew what a blessing to me it is to honor people by serving them and taking care of them and how, when you put that good energy out and you listen to them and you make that connection and it's interesting because earlier today, we just had a um, conversation with the Women's Forum about some of the women that were in the Women's Hall of Fame in Colorado. And you don't, I, I have a saying, there is no connection in perfection. So if we just share stories about how perfect and great we are, that's not where people connect. People really make a connection when you share a piece of your heart or you share a struggle that you overcame. And people think people, it's just like when you were saying, when you were young, you were wondering, you know, what do you say to people? People want to know 
people want to know what you've experienced. And when you can share a personal story of something you learned, something you overcame, when, when you can create that kind of a vulnerable, real human connection, that's the seed of building a relationship. And people don't forget those things. Well, I always look at it. You can start with something, a sentence that everybody can identify with. I finally learned, I mean, I, my parents, God bless them, and were incredibly bright, just really, really smart. And three of my four sisters all guessed, you know, tested, gifted, and talented, and I did not. And so I look at that, and I think, now, I, in the past, it used to bother me, and now it doesn't. I just think, oh, well, obviously, I didn't choose that this time around. But I always started with, I feel like the caboose. And everybody can feel like the caboose at different times in their life. And so if you start with a sentence that can, that connects with people, it's a feeling that we all have. I don't have to say how I've overcome anything. You've already made the connection when you, when you state a feeling. Yeah. You know, we've all had those feelings and, and we work hard and we strive hard because we follow our passion, we follow our love and, and people can look and say, yeah, but you're so successful. And I think, yeah. And I was homeless four times as an adult. I mean, nobody knows the backstory because we don't present that side of us, you know, and three times it was by choice. And one time it was by stupidity. So you know how that goes, (laughs) but I got good at it. Um, You know, but I look at it and I think people didn't know, even when I was homeless, that I was homeless. You know, even my kids didn't realize I was homeless because I was paying for them to be in private schools. And then I'd say, oh, on this holiday, we get to go visit this one or we get to go see this. So they didn't realize I had no home for them to come back to, (laughs) you know. Um, But I just look at it. I think you can turn any situation into an adventure. You can turn any situation into a positive. Is, and so in other words, can you overcome the situation versus having the situation overcome you? Absolutely. And that's a mindset. And that's a really, man, you just say the most amazing things. But, but you're right, because that's a choice. You are choosing how you are going to handle that. And, and I have recently, we were having a discussion about resilience And when you started business, I said, I couldn't fail. Like I, 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 that was not even, it's not an option. (laughs) It was not an option. When I went to Washington as a 20 year old girl, I slept on people's couches. I, I organized my money every day. Okay. If I, if I do this today, I can pay this. If I do this, I can pay this, you know, you, you start small, but Failing and choosing that was not an option. There's, and, and even to piggyback on that, within that, there's always so much learning that happens. It didn't, success doesn't happen like here I am and now I'm a multimillionaire success, but success is based on learning. And each of those things are lessons versus failures. Well, I don't look at any of them as failures. I just sometimes look at things and say, it's interesting the choices that we make as individuals. You know, they're just choices. And there's a difference, Jill, in, as you know, 
And when you're choosing your own consequences versus when you feel like they've been put upon you, that if you realize that everything we do creates our circumstances around us, you know, whether it's a a positive response or a negative response, if we are creative beings and we're so powerful and that we, I sometimes say we are co-creating with, or we may be co-creating distortions with the other people around us, or we're creating marvelous connections with the other people around us. But regardless, if you take claim, which is the number one universal law, you know, in the universe, is that you literally claim everything that you have ever done, said, whatever, that you you did it, you know, and you take responsibility for it. You don't put any blame on anybody else at any time. It causes you to become really powerful in your own way, which almost scares other people because it, it's like, okay, that was my mistake. Okay, next. It's like, it doesn't bother me to make a mistake. It bothers me if I don't learn from it, <laughs> you know, but it doesn't right. bother me to make them. And it's right. just like when I had that classroom for so many years, it was like, I'd ask a child when they gave me the wrong answer, would you like a do-over or would you like to pass and have somebody else help? You know, it's like, Hey, we all have do-overs. And I always gave them credit when I was on the board. And if I made a mistake, cause I was teaching math and sometimes my head goes so much faster than my hand on the board and I'd make a mistake. And if they go, ah, you know, I always say, if you politely tell me, I'll give you extra credit for it because I don't want the wrong thing up there. You know, and I, I would just look at them and say, oh, good. I get a do-over, <laughs> right. you know, and it's, I think it's giving us permission that it's okay to make mistakes. It's giving us permissions. It's okay to be do-overs. We are not expected to be perfect. And if somebody else expects us in their life for us to be perfect for them, then why do you need that person in your life? You know, we don't need to put that pressure. I think that each one of us has a choice of putting people around us that celebrate us. You know, every life, every life deserves to be celebrated. Absolutely. And you just, wow, you just touched on so many things that I wanted to bring out. But surrounding yourself with a support system like a power team of people that are going to celebrate that celebrate your wins and celebrate your learnings. Yes. They're not losses. They're learnings. Exactly. Exactly. And be able to sometimes I know I've done this with you. Sometimes I need to just vent to just to like, get it off my chest, but I don't want somebody to go down I, I want someone to keep me up. I want to express how I'm feeling. And I want a perspective that is going to help me to look at it a little bit differently and then to make a better choice. But I think that's why we vent. We're venting to get a different perspective. Like this is our perspective and we know it's not good for us. And so what can you tell me, you know, that's different? I look at my longest relationships and I've had, God bless the people and everybody in my life, including yourself over the years and years and years that people have been in my life. And I think I, they are still in my life because when I call them, they can give me a different perspective on something, you know, like, what am I missing? What am I not seeing? Right. And and we only come from one point of view, but it's the reason we have two eyes. We want the different perspectives. You know, and so 
who can do that for us? And, and that's why they always say multiple heads are better than one. It's true. You know, and, and everybody can put in their ideas. And so I just, I think that's so wonderful. I know that Jill, you do that with your employees is everybody gets to voice an opinion. Well, they've taught me so many things. I mean, it's, it's just amazing how interesting other people's perspective is. And if you really think about it, that's what really makes you better and expands the way that you look at things because you sometimes you don't know and you don't know what you don't know until someone says it. You're like, wow, you know, you always have that. I, I appreciate you so much you know, that ability to, to say something that helps me to shift my perspective. And I think that's part of, you know, what, one of the things you said earlier, the, I'm thinking like with Jonathan, when I'm talking to him and we we have a situation come up that we have to figure out a solution for. And, and, and sometimes they get frustrated with big things like that. And I say, but it's these situations that make you extraordinary. Well, if you just I, had a perfect life, you wouldn't know how to fix anything. You wouldn't know how to expand your perspective or your point of view. Well, I honestly, Jill, I don't think even the great sages and saints had perfect lives because there wouldn't have been learning there. And as much as they gave back, I think they also grew. And so exactly. they also had their own challenges. You know, even as, as people are giving, I look at our teachers today and I look at our nurses and our doctors and the, the professions that are showing up for others and giving as much as they can. And I always wonder who's there giving to them. Yeah. You know, are we showing enough appreciation? You know, I think appreciation and showing that is just so important and just the simple thank you. Yeah. You know, if I ever walk away and then I go, oh, oops, sorry, I thank you. I really didn't mean to say thank you. You know, it's, um, it, it, it's, again, we get in a hurry and we get so focused on what we need to do or what's important for us that we forget sometimes that we're dealing with a, another human here and that everybody has feelings. Yeah. And creating that, that, those habits mm-hmm. of saying thank you, but that, that culture of gratitude to, to thank God or whoever you want to say, um, for, for all of the different things that happen to you during the day, because all of those things you attracted, you're responsible for, and are here to help you grow. Yes, absolutely. And, and you wouldn't have co-created them or created your part of it. Um, if it wasn't, for your necessary growth. And you look at too, you know, there's that saying of when you're looking at the friends and who you surround yourself with, and they say that you are the average of all of your closest friends. And I, I invite everybody listening to say, okay, who's my closest friends? Why is this one my friend? Why is that one my friend? What are the attributes of these closest friends of mine? And they are reflecting my own attributes. And so what are my attributes? It, I think sometimes it's so hard for us to analyze ourselves honestly, but if you can look at the attributes of the people closest to you, then you go, okay, those are good. Those are good. And then 
We also bring in adversaries because they push our buttons. And I used to say to some of them, I go, you know, I always love it when you're around because I always realize how many buttons I still have left. <laughs> True. Find them and push them so much faster than the other people, you know? And I, I look at it, if, if Jesus didn't have Judas, would his story have been the same? Would it have played yeah. out the way it did? We need an adversary, you know? Yeah. And, and, but this is the way I look at it. Can you imagine, um, up wherever we are before we come down to the earth to have this play for a temporary time period. Could you imagine the one we call Jesus talking to the one called Judas and saying, I know you're my very best friend and I have a really hard task that I needs to be done. So could you do this thing for me and turn me in and get me? So they're going to try to kill me up there on that cross and everything. And do you love me enough to do that, knowing that your name's going to be blasphemed for the next 2000 years? But do you love me enough to go through that for me? And so I look at it and I think the ones that absolutely on the soul level love us the most are the ones that can sometimes give us the absolute hardest time period. And I'm looking at parents like that when they do this or that. Well, what was the agreement before you guys came? Is that what you needed? And they loved you enough to provide that. That is so powerful and so true. I mean, and, and the past couple shows, I've also been talking about how your, your pain really connects you a lot of times to your greatest purpose, your greatest power. And I think back, you just mentioned the, the relationship with your parents and if my dad hadn't had an agreement and told me that he had to choose between me and my stepmom and he chose her and really rejected me and hurt me very, very badly, I wouldn't have had the passion to love people the way that I do. You know? So I'm so grateful for that. Right. But in the time you're going through it, it's like, Oh, and all the other words that come out after that, you know, it, it's just like, okay, let me give you another example, Jill, since you're bringing this up. When we're driving on the freeway and somebody cuts us off, how many people cuss that person out even underneath their breath and what the, but whatever, right? Instead, I look at it as this person is so desperate for a prayer on their behalf that they're willing to put their life in danger by coming and cutting off a car in front of me or something saying, I am so desperate. Are you enlightened enough to give me a prayer? This is how desperate I am. And that if you remember when they do that to, to give them blessings or I don't like the word blessings because it's spelled be less, um, but to give them grace and to, and to send love in their direction, you know, and then you watch how that car gets away from you. And my kids used to always say, mom, nobody ever surrounds us on the freeway. There's all this traffic and you're in your own little bubble. And I used to tell my kids, I say, you say prayers for everybody on the road. And I said, no, then they don't have to come cut you off to get your prayer. You're already sending it out. <laughs> I love that. You know, and so, but I look at that and I think, wow, look at how desperate some people are for a good word, a good thought, a, a helpful gesture that they'll put themselves at risk 
and sometimes you at risk also just to get your attention screaming for help. And what do we do? We get mad or because we're inconvenienced. And so my invitation to everybody is let's be inconvenienced by prayers, prayer requests. And that every time something like that happens in our world to say, this person's desperate and God led them to me knowing that I could look at it and offer a prayer and that person would walk away better. Wow. Mic drop. That was amazing. And that reminds me of a story that you've told me about when it's the same thing when children are acting out. What are they doing but crying out for for help, Mm -hmm. to be seen, to get attention, to be loved? And you have, when you were a teacher and you do this in life too, but you've done some amazing things to, to honor that, that act of seemingly disruption. But, but talk about that a little bit. I, cause I love when you said, that. Oh, well, you know, when a child acts out, I really do believe it's because they're needing attention. And sometimes I would just say to the whole class, I would say the child's name. And I say, obviously, this one is desperate for attention. Look at this behavior. So let's all help him. Would everybody please stare at this one and give him our attention until he's got his pill? You know, it doesn't take long at all. The kids going, ah, nah, go away. Go, don't stare at me. Don't, <laughs> you know, or when a child is being rebellious in class. Uh, because the kids will try it because I always taught middle school. Well, I didn't always teach middle school, but that was my favorite. And so if a child's being rebellious in class, I'd look at them and go, I am so delightful that you are being rebellious. That is such a good thing because people that are rebellious learn how to think for themselves and they just don't take it all in and, and just whatever any authority, supposed authority tells them, you know, and they're thinking for themselves. And I said, and one of the first things when you've got a rebellious spirit to learn is when is it appropriate to be rebellious and when is it not? And I am so grateful you did that in my classroom so we could all learn from this. And the first thing you want to learn is in here, it's not going to help you. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That in here. (laughs) Right. But thank you for exhibiting that behavior. So everybody has a chance to learn about how great being able to be rebellious is. Well, and you're celebrating something that they're expressing and shifting their perspective on it too. Well, I don't want to ever make a child wrong. You know, it's the same thing when they give me the wrong answer. I just just go, would you like a do-over? Would you like a hint? Would you, you know, what would you like? You know, how can we help you with this? And what I would do is when a child was giving the correct answer, we would start clicking our, you know, clicking our fingers and it takes about two to three weeks. And the other kids, when the, when, and I always made them stand up and give the answer at, well, after I taught for a while, then I said, "Eh, no, we all need to stand up when we're giving our answer. And so when they're talking and they're giving the answer, you can hear the whole class click, 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 click. And the minute the child thinks, wait a minute, that part of the answer is wrong. The class, the class goes quiet. And then we all just wait. Do you want to rethink? Do you want to do over? Do you want to ask for help from somebody? You know, it's up to you as a child what you want to do next. But what do we do as adults when we think, oh, wait a minute, I'm stuck. Don't we reach out? Don't we ask for help? So I don't understand why that's not acceptable in our classrooms. 
you know, if you need help, ask for help. It's just like the very last year I was teaching the very first day of school, a child asked me the third question, the same question for the third time. Okay. I mean, two other kids had asked it and now it was her turn to ask the same question. And I remember the aide that was in the classroom said, didn't you just hear the other two answers? And she jumped on this kid. I could see this kid shrinking in my room. I thought, oh, this is not acceptable. And so I looked at her and I said, okay, guys, everybody needs to know day one that I love it when you ask a question. I don't care how many times you need to hear it, because what it tells me is you're still wanting to learn. And the other thing it tells me is that I didn't do a very good job the first two times around. And isn't it nice of you to give me a third chance to be able to answer this question in a way that you can understand it? And I may need to call for help. Is there anybody in the classroom that thinks they can explain this better than I obviously have? You know, and and I had kids with all kinds of learning disabilities or they were behind in where they you know, were supposedly supposed to be. And my kids always blossom, but they realize that it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay. I'm not going to jump on them. You know, I'm not going to get upset or mad Um, because that's how it ought to be as an adult, you know, and, and so many of the qualities that we want in our adults, we don't tolerate when the same qualities in a child. Because now it's obnoxious or they're not following the rules or they're not being polite enough. Or, and I think we ought to celebrate them as it shows up and then demonstrate for them how best to use those qualities to get what they want. Like, like if a kid gets really bossy, I look at him and I say, when you're the boss of a corporation, is that how you just spoke? Is that how you want your employees speaking to you? But it's first, hey, when you get to be the leader, how do you want it? Well, right. then think about it now, you know? And so it's always, let's give them grand ideas of their own capabilities. And at the same time, show them compassion, show them what you're going to want to see out of them later, you know? Okay. And that's what I don't see a lot of right now. Except you have to model you. I, I say you have to be what you want to see. Oh, I like that. And before they kick us off the air, I want to tell them where I I have several of your books, but today we're kind of talking about how to connect and where can they get in touch with you? I'm going to put all that information in the show notes as well. Oh, it's knowthename.com. It's always the first half of my, of the book title. So all three books on names so far start with know the name. And if you're driving or doing something where you cannot write it down, and later on you go, oh, I need to know the name of that. And you go, oh, wait a minute. That was it. Knowthename.com. Okay. So okay. and the fourth book on health, people will be able to buy it by the end of September. Oh, It'll I'm be so excited. Know the, name, know the health. Wow. You have just done, you have, you were such a gift. And I am honored okay. to be your friend. And thank you so much for the wisdom you shared with our listeners today. And I look forward. I'm going to see you next week in person. So I'm really excited about that. Every person. Thank you, Jill. And and you know that I feel the same way with you. And every person is a gift. And it's up to us to find out what their gift is so that we allow them to share it with us. And that's what it's really all about. Amen. Thank you so much. 
And we will be back next week with another incredible soul to soul conversation. And thank you, Sharon Lynn Wyatt, for being with us today. And oh, it's my pleasure. Check her out at knowthename.com.